battling Russian hackers in the courts, and a preview of the ISMG Fraud and Breach Prevention Summit in New York. These stories and more coming up in the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro. There's an old saying that litigation is war by other means. That's cybersecurity lawyer Mark Rash speaking about how Microsoft is preparing to do battle in U.S. courts with alleged Russian hackers. To furnish context into Rash's comment is State of Breach Today executive editor Matthew Schwartz. Hi, Matt. Hi, Eric. What's Microsoft up to? Microsoft is attempting to take hackers to court using a legal strategy that they have previously employed to shut down botnets. Microsoft has filed civil actions against unnamed hackers, call them John Doe's, in relation to what Microsoft calls an internet-based cyber theft operation commonly referred to as Strontium. That's Microsoft's name. As is typical in the security industry, everybody's got their own name for this thing. The others are APT28, Fancy Bear, Pawnstorm, Sednit, Sophocy, and the Czar Team. But the salient point is that Microsoft has found a legal strategy that it can use to try to disrupt these attacks. Here's Mark Rash with more. What makes it really interesting is that they're using the computer fraud and abuse statute to go after people not who are attacking Microsoft, but who are attacking Microsoft customers, which raises a very interesting question of whether Microsoft has standing to raise the complaints that people are breaking into their customers. Well, does Microsoft have standing? Microsoft appears to have standing. This is a strategy that has worked for Microsoft in the past. It isn't necessarily elegant, but you could argue that it is effective. The hackers to contest Microsoft's charges have to show up in court. Microsoft's legal documents clearly spell out that numerous attempts have been made to contact the attackers at the various email addresses that they're known to have employed. If the attackers do not show up, then Microsoft will win via default judgment. Although this is a lawsuit, and the common thinking about lawsuits is that you file them, in order to attempt to recover damages, Microsoft filed this lawsuit with no intention of trying to collect damages. Here, again, is Rash. That the purpose of this lawsuit is to use the powers of the court to reassign domain names to them so they can disrupt the activity. And they're using the trademark law not to prohibit confusion of domain names, but really to obtain seizure of domain names and redirection of traffic. Did these lawsuits put the attackers out of business? Definitely not. We can be assured that they'll be back another day hacking somebody else again in the future. What hopefully has happened here, though, is Microsoft has made their job a bit more difficult, required more resources. And going forward, in theory, Microsoft and other companies that do this type of security research and that share these kinds of findings with each other are going to keep tracking this stuff. Hopefully in the future, they can continue to crack down on it. Obviously, it's very often after the fact, after these attacks have been launched, after the hackers steal data and dump it. That is unfortunate. But anything that we can do to disrupt these types of attacks, these cross-border attacks, well-financed attacks, presumably commissioned by nation states, anything we can do to disrupt that, that is a good thing. Well, thanks, Matt. My pleasure. Thank you, Eric. After we return from this brief message, ISMG's Jeremy Kirk reports on a vulnerability to Apple's operating system. It is a warning to Apple, as well as Apple users, that low-grade malware can still find its way onto machines. This is the ISMG Security Report. ISMG's Global Summit Series will be taking place at the Marriott Marquis in New York on August 8th and 9th. 
Learn more about what to do in the wake of WannaCry. Hear from subject matter experts on ransomware, endpoint detection, malware, and more. Visit events.ismg.io and register today. We're back. Is Apple's operating system safer than Windows OS? It's a question ISMG security and technology editor Jeremy Kirk addresses. Apple doesn't like it when someone attacks its operating system. The company has carefully cultivated an image that its computers are safer than its Windows counterparts. But often, that doesn't hold up to close scrutiny. Attackers have success, it's just that they usually prefer Windows. It's been a fairly slow year for Mac malware, but a former NSA researcher has dug into the first Mac malware sample that was detected earlier this year and found at least 400 computers, and possibly more, infected with the variant. Patrick Wardle, who's now director of research at the penetration testing firm Synac, took a deep investigative dive into Fruitfly B. He found that whoever created it could have resumed spying on computers, flicked on webcams, stole files, and browsed around. It doesn't appear Fruitfly is designed to steal financial information. Instead, it's a surveillance tool. Wordle says that a testament to its invasiveness is a capability to send an alert to the hacker when someone is sitting at a computer. Fruitfly showed several curious attributes after it was discovered. It in part uses Perl, a programming language that stretches back nearly 30 years. It also contains functions and system calls that date back more than 15 years. But instead of reverse engineering Fruitfly B, Wordle tried a different approach to figure out how it runs. Fruitfly contained encrypted backup command and control domains, which are used to funnel instructions to infected computers. He registered a few of them and created a custom command and control server in order to passively observe how it behaves. When he registered the domains, within two days around 400 infected Macs checked in. What's concerning is that after Wordle obtained a Fruitfly B sample, not many AV products were detecting it, and neither was Apple. Wordle thinks Fruitfly doesn't pose a risk to users now, in part because the backup command and control servers have been sinkholed. But it is a warning to Apple, as well as Apple users, that low-grade malware can still find its way onto machines. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. ISMG will hold its next Fraud and Breach Prevention Summit next Tuesday and Wednesday, August 8th and 9th in New York City. To preview the summit, I'm joined by my ISMG colleagues, Tom Field and Tracy Kitten. Tom is Senior Vice President for Editorial. Tracy is Director of Global Events Content and Executive Editor of Bank Info Security. Hi, Tom. Hi, Tracy. Eric, how are you? Hi, Eric. Tom, what's significant about this summit? This is our showcase event. Every year, New York City is our big event, and this happens to be our fifth annual Fraud and Breach Prevention Summit. It's going to be the biggest event we've ever done, biggest crowd we've ever had. And Tracy can attest to the three tracks of great speakers and topics we have over the two-day event. Tracy? We do have three tracks at this summit, as opposed to the traditional two that we have. So we'll have a track for fraud, a track for breach, and a track for incident response. The summit will feature two keynote speakers, Hearst Sisso, David Hahn, and Ed Amoroso, the longtime Sisso at AT&T. What will they be speaking about? 
In David's keynote, he'll be talking about the growing dangers of interconnectedness and the adverse impact that relying on the internet and interconnectedness has on availability, reliability, and reputation. David works for Hearst that owns a lot of magazines and and news stations and, and newspapers. Before joining Hearst, worked for Wells Fargo and spent nearly three decades in the financial services industry. So he's really going to be able, Eric, to walk us through some of the attacks and the trends that he saw in his role with Wells Fargo and how he sees that impact impacting other industries, such as the media industry. Our keynote on day two is Ed Amoroso, who is the longtime CISO at AT&T. He has since retired from AT&T and is now doing his own consulting work. The keynote that he's going to give, the title is A Random Walk Through Cybersecurity, How Hacking Will Impact Politics, Policies, and Business Today and Into the Future. He's going to talk about some of the attempts against government, especially these Russian hacks that we saw against the DNC, and going to really kind of set the tone for what is the role that, that hacking plays in the future of politics and ultimately the future of policies. Tracy, you're monitoring a panel on how breach victims can effectively work with law enforcement and regulators. What do you expect will be the takeaway from this session? What should organizations be doing in advance of an incident, in the wake of an incident investigation? And then if that investigation does find that there was a breach of data, what should be done in the wake of a breach? And so it's really, how do you work with law enforcement? How do you establish relationships with law enforcement before you have an incident? What should you be doing during an investigation? How should you be working with inside counsel as well as external counsel? How much information should you be sharing with law enforcement? How should you be sharing it? Can you anonymize the data, for instance? Then once there's a data, breach, what should you be sharing with law enforcement? Tom, you're moderating the final session on the impact of deception technology. Why is that topic relevant? It really comes down to an evolution in defending organizations. And in some ways, it's related to the topic of active defense. And so in other words, instead of sitting there and being victim and letting the adversaries get into your systems and have their way, The notion is to employ technologies that can deceive them as they get in. And instead of going to the crown jewels, direct them toward the dungeon or direct them someplace where they can't do the damage that they otherwise would do. And it's somewhat controversial. There are are, are advocates, certainly, of deception technology and others that think that our efforts should be put in in other ways and that uh, that maybe don't even have faith in some of the deception technology that's out there. Got some great speakers. I think it's going to be a lively discussion, and we engage the audience. They're invited to offer their perspectives, ask their questions. It's a great interactive way to end the two days of discussions. I look forward to seeing you guys there. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tracy. Eric, thanks so much. We'll see you next week. Tracy, see you next week. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Tom. See you next week. That's the ISMG Security Report, theme music by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Chabro. Catch you next time. Music